Good day to you, and welcome to Fascinating. I'm your host, Rick, from Planet Vulcan. My continuing mission on planet Earth, to search for signs of intelligence and to encourage its spread. This episode revisits the idea of emergence, particularly emergent order. Emergence, in general, is a fairly recent and quite exciting topic in the study of science and nature. Until recently, scientists thought of their task as one of reduction, and not emergence as a path to explanations. A reductionist explanation is one where a phenomenon is interpreted as the sum of its parts. For example, the phenomenon of heat is explained by energetic motion of molecules. An example of an emergent phenomenon would be the intelligent present in an animal's brain, even though the individual neurons that comprise the brain are not intelligent at all. Our new contributing editor, Autodidact, agrees that this topic is worth revisiting and has submitted the following essay. Otto writes, In Darwin's dangerous idea, Tufts University philosopher Daniel Dennett avers that whatever else might happen to Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection, there is a novel idea in this theory that will certainly persist. The novel idea is that what looks like design can occur without any designer. In other words, order in nature emerges spontaneously. The significance of this idea is that it explodes the myths and common beliefs surrounding the idea that the very existence of order can only mean that it must be due to an intelligent designer, someone or something giving orders. Most people, as of this writing, are unaware of the phenomenon of spontaneous order and are surprised when they hear of it. It's something that is missing from the curriculum in most schools. And my colleague, Smirky McSmugface, who is acquainted with the concept, nevertheless rejects it as an attempt by the capitalist oligarchy to deceive us into believing that these nefarious people are not, in fact, in control of our daily lives. Other people, for example the followers of theistic religions, have their own reasons for dismissing the notion, the most important of which is probably that they are relying on a creator who has promised them eternal life in paradise. It's not an easy thing, after having believed that, to accept one's mortality. Dennett uses the term universal acid as a metaphor for his dangerous idea, because a universal acid will eat through anything it touches, including anything that is intended to contain it. I can already hear some responses to the effect that, well, I get the idea of spontaneous order, but it only applies to nature and humans are different from animals, so we have the ability to opt out of the natural order and create our own order. My object in this essay is to convince you that we humans have no such option and are as much a part of nature as anything is. The universal acid eats right through this attempt at containment. And I hope to convince you further that an awareness of this fact is a good thing rather than a cause for despair. Because understanding how things actually work in the natural world, of which we are a part, 
not only opens up new vistas of possibility for improving the general well-being of humanity, which I believe is the honest intention of most of us, but it also explains the futility of many recent and present attempts at improving the general well-being. So let's talk about the new vistas. The traditional intelligent design method for improving general well-being begins with imagining a structural model of society that is the end you believe to be ideal. After this ideal structure is chosen, you try to create the means that will result in the ideal. The means typically involve the implementation and monitoring of requirements and prohibitions directed towards individual actions, which you will try to engender socially and or legally from what you imagine is your lofty perch above the fray. The evolutionary method for improving general well-being begins with an understanding that nature does not allow us to begin with chosen ends and then force those ends into being. In practice, we in truth only have a choice of means, and the means we choose will result in a way of functioning that creates ever-changing structures which cannot be predicted or controlled. This will be the case even if we believe we are choosing ends and not means. So the new vistas open up when you realize that the effective focus for realizing our good intentions is not societal structures, but societal functions. Structures are always temporary in any event, so it ought to be clear that even if we were to succeed in creating the structure we had envisioned, events would soon sweep it away. We need to focus on process and become comfortable with the fact that the results will always take care of themselves. And no one is above the fray except in their own imagination. We are all just cells in a superorganism. It seems inevitable that evolutionary thinking will eventually replace intelligent design thinking as the general mode of thought among humans in spite of attempts to contain it. So, with the concept of spontaneous emergent order in mind, let's review the lessons from nature that Rick and Prego discussed early in Season 1. Rick opened the discussion by calling attention to a number of natural phenomena where you could observe large-scale organization. Living systems, such as schools of fish, flocks of birds, colonies of insects, slime mold, and groups of mammals, and non-living systems such as snowflakes, rivers, clouds, and dunes. Traditionally, the order observed in such systems has always been ascribed to top-down control of some sort. For example, the queen bee was supposedly the boss of the hive. Schools of fish and flocks of birds and herds of grazing mammals were supposedly following a leader. Think, for example, of the 2015 movie Ant-Man, where the ants are portrayed as individually intelligent creatures that learn to work in teams under the direction of a leader. Very entertaining as metaphor, perhaps, but to enjoy the movie you have to be able to overlook the bad science, especially the fact that in a real-world ant colony, the apparently intelligent behavior emerges only at the level of the colony and not at the level of the individual ants. 
Evolutionary thinking has upset the traditional explanations by demonstrating that living systems do not in truth have a boss or a leader. The order we observe is explained by the behavior of the smallest components of the system, which typically behave by a simple set of rules that only apply locally. And it is from this behavior that order, on a larger scale, emerges spontaneously. Ants, for example, have evolved responses to touch and taste that result in effective foraging, construction of anthills, production and care of offspring, and defense. No single ant in the colony knows about or cares about the overall organization, yet nature has sculpted their algorithmic behaviors in such a way as to create the overall organization. Flocks of birds, schools of fish, and herds of grazing mammals follow simple rules governing individual behavior, and nature has selected for individuals who follow the rules that result in the overall organization of the group, with salutary effects for the individuals. And all of this in spite of the fact that no one individual has the overall organization of the group in mind at all. And then there is slime mold, also known as physarum, which might very well be the most astonishing example in the natural world of emergent spontaneous order. Physarum is capable of finding food, remembering where it found the food, and of producing fruiting bodies, which spread spores. The astonishing thing is that physarum has no musculature and no nervous system. Look this one up on YouTube. It's fascinating. There are also some evolved cultural phenomena in human society that demonstrate emergent order as a result of individuals following a simple set of rules. We have, for example, the organization of automobile traffic, which, all kidding aside, really should impress us with how effective it is. Next time you drive or ride in a car, be mindful of what other drivers are doing and notice that most of them, most of the time, are following the rules which assign right-of-way. And the organization we see comes about because of the general regard for the rules. And, of course, we have the example of markets, in which the organization comes about because most of us, most of the time, observe property rights and the sanctity of the contract. And because markets give individuals the information they need to make their choices in the form of prices. By comparing your own subjective estimate of the value of something to its price, you can make a rational decision about whether that something is worth it. And remember that the concept of value is a broad one and includes not just monetary value, but pretty much everything that is subject to human preference and choice. So it ought to be clear by now that traditional intelligent design thinking is not nearly as useful as evolutionary thinking. But even though traditional thinking has been fatally undermined, we still have a lot of traditional thinkers among us, who themselves are not just unmoved by evolutionary thinking, but who are often actively resisting its spread. It's difficult for me to understand why people, even the ones who are aware of it, have been so slow in accepting evolutionary thinking. 
but I suppose that whatever the reason might be, it's unimportant in the long run. There have always been those who have a vested interest in the established order, and we should not be surprised at their conservatism, that is, their desire for stasis. Quite often we see that outdated thinking vanishes not because the thinkers of outdated thoughts change their minds, it vanishes only when the thinkers themselves vanish and are replaced by a new generation of thinkers. I truly believe in the universal acid metaphor. The attempts to contain evolutionary thinking are doomed to eventual failure. Those of us who are spreading the word about evolutionary thinking hope to speed up the process. Thanks to Otto for this essay. I invite you to have a listen to the next installment of Fascinating. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to Senior Contributing Editor Prego Denada. Prego Denada at gmail.com If you find the lessons from nature in these podcasts personally valuable, please recommend it to your friends. Theme music, Coming Back to Life with thanks to Pink Floyd. Live long and prosper. Savor your experiences and treasure your memories. And respect nature's wisdom.